You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. On today's show, a wild weekend of SEC baseball. Two really thrilling series between Tennessee and Arkansas and Vanderbilt and Ole Miss. What led to a spat of coaches on the field following one of those series. Name, image, and likeness. We've got states signing legislation to take effect this summer. That will allow student-athletes to make money, but how is it all going to work? We're going to catch up with Matt Merchell of the Orlando Sentinel to get the latest on all of that. And Alabama softball shuts out Florida to win its first SEC softball championship since 2012. Alabama just keeps winning SEC titles in all the sports, and frankly, I'm over it. But moving on, I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. Let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Around the conference. Get to some football notes in just a second, but we got to start with baseball. It was a big weekend of baseball across the SEC. The most entertaining series in my mind was up in Knoxville as Tennessee played host to top-ranked Arkansas. The Razorbacks took two out of three from the Vols with Saturday and Sunday's games being decided by just one run. After Sunday's 3-2 Arkansas win, the two head coaches exchanged some words out on the field. Following the game, Tennessee head coach Tony Vitello having a conversation with Arkansas head coach Dave Van Horn after the game, Vitello talked about what was mentioned. You know, he had some things to say, uh, you know, thought we did a good job and, you know, it was an excellent series and all that and uh, probably poor timing on my choice, but brought up uh, some off the field stuff that, that that really is not a big issue. So that's that's probably more I should say about it. But um, that that's kind of what transpired. Our buddy John Neighbors, host of Locked On Razorbacks, tweeted out: "It sounds like Vitello took issue with Dave Van Horn and how he recruited, or maybe that Van Horn could only win with kids Vitello recruit, recruited." Vitello said it had to do with some off the field stuff, and according to John Neighbors, he said he chose a dumb time to bring it up. Even mentioned it could have been about recruiting. Who knows? That would be the only thing that would make sense. Keep in mind, Vitello was an assistant at Arkansas from 2014 to 2017 before taking the Tennessee job in 2018. And just to give the Vols a little love out there, after losing uh, Friday and Sunday, they did have a walk-off win on Saturday. Here was John Wilkerson of the Vault Network. No sign of a bunt. That ball hits sky high into right field. Going back to the fences, Wallace. And hello with column. Yes, sir. Max Ferguson has walked it off for the University of Tennessee. A first pitch fastball, a meatball, and that ball is gone. Somebody said, you got to show a little love to John Wilkerson. He's called a lot of bad baseball over the years for the Volunteers, and they are finally having a uh, fantastic season. But again, congrats to the Razorbacks. You take two out of three in a hostile environment at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. On Sunday, Kevin Copps, man, this guy just keeps getting better and better. He pitched the final three and two-thirds innings, picked up his second win of the weekend in the three-to-two win on Sunday. The Razorbacks have not lost an SEC series all year. They have won nine straight 
unbelievable. Uh, and frankly, for me, for someone who didn't have a dog in the fight, it was just a lot of fun to watch all three of these games over the weekend. Really enjoyable SEC baseball from two of the top teams in the conference. Good to see a packed stadium, too. Uh, the other big week series of the weekend, shout out to Ole Miss holding serve and taking two out of three at home versus number two ranked Vanderbilt. The Rebels were able to score three runs off of Kumar Rocker on Friday night to get a three to one victory before Vandy bounced back on Saturday to win 2-1 behind a dominant Jack Leiter who struck out 13 Rebels. But on Sunday, the Rebels, their bats were on fire. They rocked Vandy's Patrick Riley, and they put up 10 runs in the third inning alone before going on to win it 13-10. Now, Ole Miss does Tennessee a huge favor winning the series over Vandy. The Vols remain in possession of first place in the SEC East heading into the final weekend of the season, but they are just ahead of Vandy and Florida, so a lot to be decided this this weekend. Other uh, games around the SEC, number three ranked Mississippi State. Very disappointing weekend for them, losing two out of three at home versus Mizzou. On Saturday, the Bulldogs got rocked 16-8. to Not what you want out of your team, losing a series to the worst team in the SEC this late in the year. Uh, other games from the weekend, number nine, Florida. They take two out of three against Georgia. Kentucky gets swept at home by number 20, South Carolina. LSU, they stay alive, taking two out of three at home against Alabama. And Auburn, they keep their season alive, taking two out of three versus Texas A&M. Um, I mentioned that for Auburn. They were the 13 seed heading into the weekend, but they now hold the number 12 seed along with Texas A&M heading into a critical final week of the SEC schedule. The Aggies, they play host to LSU for their final three games, while Auburn visits Columbia, Missouri to take on Mizzou. So a lot still to be decided this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. In softball, Alabama, congrats to them. They captured their first SEC tournament championship since 2012 by shutting out the number one seed Florida Gators 4-0 on Saturday night. It was Alabama's sixth conference tournament title, which breaks would have been a tie with Florida and LSU for the most in league history. Montana Fouts, she absolutely smothered Florida in her third consecutive start and second complete game of the tournament. The SEC championship is Alabama's fourth this academic year. Alabama has won the SEC in football, men's basketball, gymnastics, and now softball. All I'm saying is, look out for Alabama and Hoover in a couple weeks. Goodness gracious, it would be uh, ridiculous if they run the table in just about every sport in the SEC. In football news, uh, defensive back Kawan Banks, he committed to South Carolina over the weekend. He's a three-star, number 47 overall safety, a top 100 recruit in the state of Florida for the class of 2022. He was showing interest in Maryland and West Virginia before committing to the Gamecocks and Shane Beamer. On Friday night, Alabama defensive back Brandon Turnage, who had thrown his name in the transfer portal, he announced he will be continuing his football career at Georgia. He shared the news on his Instagram page. He was a four-star defensive back, the number 11 cornerback, and the number 102 prospect overall in the class of 2019. He signed with Alabama over 22 other offers. Several SEC schools were in the mix. Alabama, at Alabama, however, Turnage only appeared in four games during the last two seasons. He was a redshirt freshman this past year, only recorded a statistic, uh, a pass breakup against Mississippi State in 2020. So big pickup for Georgia, Brandon Turnage 
the Bulldogs uh, adding to their defensive back core. Marcus Washington Jr., he's a cornerback in the class of 2023. He announced over the weekend he is committed to Georgia. He's six foot, 170 pounds. He is the son of former four-star linebacker Marcus Washington Sr., who played for Mark Rick at Georgia. Washington Jr. joins three others already committed to Georgia for 2023. Uh, One more Georgia note there, former wide receiver Tommy Bush announced on social media he is committed to North Texas, spent three years in Athens, entered the transfer portal. He thanked Kirby Smart, the medical training staff, and said the degree he earned at Georgia is second to none. He will pursue a master's degree over at North Texas. Mississippi State tight end Powers Warren, he uh, committed to play at Michigan State, according to his social media. He's 6'3", 245 pounds. From the state of Minnesota, he's the son of Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren. He only appeared in six games since he joined the Bulldogs as a freshman in 2017. So, tight end Powers Warren leaving Mississippi State, heading to Michigan State. Cole Kelly, quarterback who started his college career at Arkansas, battled for the starting job with Ty Story back in 2018. He left Arkansas and transferred to southeastern Louisiana a while back, put up some big numbers this past year led FCS with 2,600 passing yards, 27 total touchdowns. And on Saturday, he received the Walter Payton Award given to the best offensive player in the FCS. Uh, uh, Payton Award is considered to be the Heisman Trophy of the SCS, so congrats to Colt Kelly. Uh, A few other notes after graduating from Missouri, linebacker Jamal Brooks will continue his college football career back in his home state of Alabama. He is uh, transferring to South Alabama. Former Texas A&M wide receiver Shadrick Banks will not be leaving the state of Texas on Saturday. He announced he is transferring to TCU. And after two seasons at Troy, punter Jack Martin is transferring to Alabama. So from the state of Alabama, he announced his commitment on Saturday via his Twitter page. And that is around the conference. When we return, can't wait to talk with this guy. He has uh, been all over the name, image, and likeness, NIL. I know you've heard that term thrown around so much. Matt Merchel of the Orlando Sentinel joins us next to discuss. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball is in full swing. NBA came to a close yesterday. We got the playoffs starting this week. We got play-in games, tons of stuff for you to get in on, and you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting news up at uh, betonline.ag. Before the next game, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all their great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, contest info. Head to their website right now. You can do so on your mobile device and sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as uh, the playoffs start up this week in the NBA, it is Bet Online. They are your online sportsbook experts. Rolling along here, locked on SEC, and excited to talk with this guy because, man, the more and more I start to read about name, image, and likeness, and you hear the the abbreviation NIL. NIL and all the implications of it. I, I just I get more and more confused the more I read about it. So I'm I'm hoping this next guest will help shed a little bit lot more light on what exactly is going to happen with uh, the world of college football coming this season. He is Matt Merchel, national college football writer for the Orlando Sentinel and the Tribune. Been doing it for a long time. Matt, welcome in, man. How are you? 
Pretty good. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. We're uh, we're excited about uh, next college football season. Obviously, look, we, we talk all things SEC here, and it's 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 SEC football 365 days a year a lot of times. But man, we we've talked about the name, image, and likeness, and what could be coming down the pike. And you know, we know that this is going to be a potential game changer for the athletes. But where are we right right now? Because Matt, I keep reading, you know, the state of Tennessee and Georgia just this past week they they signed legislature to say that students could, you know, student athletes can can profit off of their name, image, and likeness according to the state. But apparently, this has to go to a, the Supreme Court. Fill us in a little bit on, on what your understanding is of of where we are with this. Yeah, well, right now we're we're kind of in a little bit of a holding pattern when it comes to name, image, and likeness. Well, the first one of those that's going to come into effect really is, is July first. It's here in the state of Florida, and there's about five other states as well that are that are actually put forth our own law and had in the past. So, you know, July 1st is, is really the, the kind of deadline when it comes to this. And, you know, listen, the NCAA talked about this. It's been, it's been something that's been kind of talked about for over a decade now. It wasn't until, you know, really, uh, you know, it wasn't until really about 2019 when the NCAA Board of Governors approved that they were going to start to allow, you know, students to, you know, benefit from their name, image, and likeness. And they were going to come up with their own model. Well, the NCAA hasn't been able to do that. They were supposed to vote on it in January. They couldn't find any kind of common ground. They couldn't come up with anything. That vote kind of got kicked down, uh, kicked down the road. Um, and what happened then is all these states stepped in and started doing their own bills. That's not what the NCAA wants. They, want, they don't want to see 50 different versions of, of NIL bills. So they want, would hope that the government, federal government, would step in and maybe kind of enact its own uh, you know, legislation that would basically supersede all the, the states. That hasn't happened as well. And right now, the, the NCA is, is kind of nervously waiting to see what happens. They know that July 1st deadline is coming up, and that once that goes into effect, you're going to see a handful of states that are going to have this opportunity, and their athletes are going to have an opportunity to start making some money. Once that happens, then it really comes, we're looking at a lot of chaos because then the NCA has got to figure out what they're going to do and if they can get some sort of bill enacted before then. So it's really... You know, unfortunately, that it, it, this is something that could have been handled a lot easier. But again, in typical NCAA fashion, it's something that's kind of been become a giant chaotic uh, endeavor right now. I'm one of those people, Matt. I don't overreact to headlines. I'm not like it's so easy in the social media day and age where we read something, we throw our hands up in the air and go, "Oh my god!" Like I, I take the time to read. I want to understand why is this? What is this thing? And People threw their arms up in the air last week when they saw Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signs the bill, and the new law says schools are allowed to take up to 75% of an athlete's endorsement income. So everybody throws their hands up in the air and goes, oh my God, this is terrible. What What is the thinking behind that? Is that more just to to regulate this a little bit where the school can kind of oversee how this is happening? And you know, on the flip side, if the kid's getting a check for $500,000, they're going to owe taxes on the back end and all that. What's the thinking behind that? Well, that that's part of the concern that I think you you have with you when know, you look at the big picture of this is that when each state comes in and says, okay, here's what we're going to put in to our name, image, and likeness legislation, and it, it's something like that. For instance, in Georgia, where they're saying we can, your school can take seventy five percent of whatever you earn. Well, that's it's, it's crazy. To, I mean, because I think if you're an athlete, you're looking around going, well, wait a minute. The whole point of of, of name, image, and likeness was that we were supposed to have profit on that. And we wouldn't have to give, you know, we weren't going to have to give any money back outside of taxes, obviously, which they have to pay. Um, so I, you know, what we've heard so far since that came out is that a lot of the, 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 the major schools in Georgia have said, listen, we're not going to do that. We're not going to ask our athletes to give that kind of money back. But that's what happens when you have legislators who really aren't familiar with what's going on 
in college athletics, and then they come up with their own ideas, and they think this is what it should look like, and this is what should be said, and, and then, you know, you have all these different versions of, of legislation across the country, and that's why having a, a across-the-board, you know, bill or, or rule would really benefit, and, you know, at some point, you know, we know this is going to be very, uh, you know, it's going to be very, uh, you know, confusing to begin with at times. You know, schools definitely have to worry about compliance. That's the number one issue I've heard from a lot of administrators and conference commissioners. Is compliance is a big issue. That's why you're seeing a lot of these schools starting to work with third-party entities where they can help out and, and maybe, you know, become that kind of a go-to person that can help make sure that they get the compliance that's needed. They also are offering education classes to help teach athletes to do this as well. So that's the confusing part is when, when states like Georgia enact something like that because – as a coach, you're sitting there thinking, okay, let's say you're Kirby Smart. I'm trying to recruit this kid, and he's got a chance to go to Alabama or go to Florida. Well, if our NIL law is this way, and they think that we're going to take 75% of the money, that may sway a kid to not go to Georgia right. and go to Alabama or Florida instead. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point, and, and that, that was my thought as well. Um, let's just use an example of JT Daniels because he's going to be one of the big names in college football this year, the quarterback of Georgia, obviously, you know, building off the success from last year. If all goes well, Georgia's going to be the national championship picture, playoff picture and all that. Uh, let's say a company in Atlanta, let's say a car dealership wants to pay JT Daniels uh, again, like $400,000 to do endorsement deals, be on their billboards and all that. How do they do? I mean, do they just go to JT himself? Should there be a mediator in between? I know we we can't talk agents because that that's out of the question. Like, how does that deal get done? Well, what, what probably more likely happened again? This is where you're seeing. I wrote about this a couple months ago about where you're seeing these these companies are set up. You know, where basically they're going to be able to have. Uh, to work with athletes where they can actually set up these opportunities. You know, they'll present them with an athlete can look on his phone, it can be on an app, and can look at these opportunities and then basically set something up. And these third-party companies, you know, also have one of the things they're pushing for, as I mentioned, is compliance. They're willing to, as soon as a deal is in place, they, you know, they send an, an email to compliance officers at that school at Georgia, for instance, and let them know that they've this agreement's been made. If there isn't a third part involved, then, yeah, JT Daniels could sit down with the with the the dealership. The one thing that will probably more than likely be you know a, a factor, and this is going to be through all forms of legislation with NIL, is the fact that you're not going to be able to have a university, a, a Georgia, you know, mention Georgia football in in the advertisement right. or mention it whatever event he's at. He's got to be just you know college football quarterback JT Daniels. That's <laughs> how it's basically going to be because they don't want to have anything where you're where they're wearing the jerseys and wearing gear and things like that. Um, so it's just going to be kind of an innocuous type of, of situation. And then, like you said, yeah, and then once you set up, you know, you sign a contract, it, it, just like you would as you do any other person. Um, and then as long as you make sure that you've contacted the school and, and gone through compliance, make sure they understand what's going on and make sure that it's something that they approve of, because that's another issue that means that's being brought up is that, you know, eventually the NCAA wants to say, you know, we're not going to allow you to endorse, let's say, alcohol or tobacco, or let's say a club, you know, a certain nightclub that maybe, you know, and you, you aren't going to be able to do those kind of things. So that's once that gets through, that, that he has the opportunity to take advantage of that. But again, and this is where education has been a big deal, and what a lot of people have told me is, you know, that athlete has to understand, you're going to have to pay taxes. You're going to have to do just like everyone else. You're going to have to understand the intricacies of signing a contract, what does it mean, 
and you know what is involved in that contract and making sure that you put you pay your taxes on it because if you don't it's going to come back to, to bite you in the end yeah I, I remember when when i was at lsu we had a an athlete who played uh, he ran track and he played on the football team and his name was uh uh oh x-man uh, xavier carter and he signed a, a million-dollar deal with Nike, and it was funny because that next day we were eating lunch in the, the quad, and Xavier Carter sitting at the table next to us, and we're like, oh, man, that's Xavier. You just signed a million-dollar deal with Nike, and it was this big deal. And you could almost feel like a little resentment. You're like, man, I'm eating ramen noodles tonight you know, in my microwave in my dorm, and this guy just got a million dollars. I wonder if that's going to happen you know, in some of these teams where the star players are going to be able to get the big deals. But you know, if I'm the backup offensive lineman or something, I'm kind of sitting there going, man, this guy just got tons of money, and I'm getting nothing. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's got to be a concern. You know, I spoke to a couple of coaches who said, you know, listen, we understand that football, for instance, you're probably looking at five or six players who are probably going to get big deals. Now, what I mean by big deals, and I, I always preference this when I talk to people about this, is we're not talking like multi-million dollar deals. This is probably going to be more in the, you know, um, $100,000, $200,000 deal the most at times. Um, in some cases, it may only be $2,000, depending on what's going on. So this is just, you know, there's just going to be a, a little group of, of players and it's not just football you know it's, it's all athletic sports it's going to be you know basketball and, and soccer and you know I, I think yeah as a coach you're going to have to be careful on that you're going to have to be able to sit down with your team and say listen you know if this happens um you know we, we want to make sure this doesn't cause any sort of rift in, in, in the team for instance if your star quarterback would more than likely would, would get an opportunity to benefit from this you know your offensive lineman looking around going i'm not making any money why am i protecting this guy he's making you know what you know two hundred thousand, whatever it is but you would hope, you know, eventually, you know, you would think a, a quarterback might think, hey, I might, I might take my guy, my offensive line out to eat, you know, with that money. You know, I yeah. might do some things like that to help out, you know. Um, but I, I think what's interesting, too, is having talked with some players as well, is they don't even know what they're going to do with name, image, and likeness. You know, I, I, you know, guys are like, I don't even know what this means. You know, I mean, I mean, will it be me on social media just promoting a product, you know, or will it be me promoting an appearance for signing autographs, you know, maybe three or $400? I mean, I, I think what, it's going to be interesting to see in the next year once this kicks in what kind of this is going to kind of the form it's going to take because I think some players are, are eager for this idea of maybe helping mom and dad out back at home because hey I can make a little extra money here and I can help pay for you know rent or mortgage or whatever's going on and, and there's some guys like you said who maybe are thinking man I can use this money to help feed myself and you know maybe to get a new car or, or whatever it's going to be so it's going to be interesting to see how, how, how these. Uh, athletes are able to take advantage of it. Yeah, so my wife, she went to Kentucky, and she brought up, she's like, you know, I know the local Kroger, they'd be willing to pay, you know, pay $1,000 to bring the gymnastics team out to sign autographs on a Sunday afternoon. I was like, you know, that's something you don't really, like, we keep thinking of all the big, big, you know, names and things like that. Like, that's something where you don't think about, yeah, if I'm a local business in a college town, why wouldn't I pay a couple hundred bucks and bring the entire gymnastics team or the entire softball team out to sign autographs for little girls and that sort of thing? And, you know, I think that's that's something that kind of gets lost in it all. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, I haven't spoken with a couple of people that, that you know the we're looking at social media branding, for instance, where they think a lot of where this a lot of this can be made, where some of the money can be made. You know, a lot of the bigger social media uh, accounts in, in college athletics aren't from football and basketball. They're like the non-revenue sports. They are gymnastics. They're, they, they may be softball. They may be baseball. You know, they may be people who have you know a couple million followers. You know, and so. It's going to be interesting. You know, how can you take advantage of that? You know, maybe you you're promoting a certain product that you know doesn't conflict with whatever school is promoting, but you promote your product 
and you're able to make a little bit of money. So it's not just going to be the football guys and, and the big name players that you know from 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 these, from these schools. I think this could benefit a lot of the non revenue generating sports, which is going to help out a little bit. You know, again, if you're struggling to you have you know to make it work, you know, at, at that level, um, it's going to be nice to have an opportunity. As you mentioned, I, I think autograph signings are going to be huge. I think opportunity to have a team or a group or someone there to, to show up and do some things, you know, maybe car dealership takes advantage of that or, or whatever it's going to be. I, I think you can see that in some of these uh, areas. More with Matt Merchell right after this. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. What's your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know Built Bar has nine delicious flavors? Yeah, they've got some that are limited time, come and go. But when you talk to somebody who loves Built Bars, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. The mint brownie is one I've been a fan of for a long time, but they've got coconut, cherry, raspberry, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, tons of different flavors. So there's something for everyone. If you haven't tried them all, go online to their website, builtbar.com. You can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Most of the flavors have around 17 grams of protein in there, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, four grams net carbs. It is a great alternative to some of the other junk you might be eating out there, and especially if you're just leaving the gym and you need something to uh, throw in, throw into your system loaded with protein, Built Bar is the way to go. Order, order today. You can try the raspberry, the mint brownie, whatever you like at BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Roll along here, Locked On SEC. Continue our conversation with uh, Matt Merchell, National College Football Writer for the Orlando Sentinel and Tribune. And, and Matt, um, I'd be remiss if we didn't have to actually talk some football with you while we got you. Uh, as we look ahead, we're counting down the days to SEC Media Days in July. It sounds like those are going to happen this year, which I'm super excited about. It's one of my favorite thing, my favorite trips to go on every year. But, man, we've missed out. We missed out not having it last year and getting them, you know, see these guys like Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin and, you know, these big personalities that are now in the SEC and seeing them in that environment where, you know, Steve Spurrier, would make headlines all the time and that sort of thing. Uh, what do you make in the landscape of the SEC heading into the season? Just from a standpoint of, it's got some really, really good coaches in, in this league right now. Yeah, very much so. I mean, you, obviously we know what's going on with, with Nick Saban and then Alabama and what they've been able to do. But then you, you look around, you look at some of the other programs in, in, in the SEC and you think to yourself, man, this is an opportunity here to, to, to make a lot of noise. I mean, you look at the idea of, well, Georgia – could, could bounce back after last year. Um, you know, they were on the cusp of, of, of winning the East, uh, you know, but Florida finds a way to, to get it done. You know, Florida coming back, you know, obviously they have a new quarterback coming in, Emory Jones, to play Kyle Trask. Um, teams like Missouri, which, you know, looked good at times last year, but, you know, can they can they make that jump in, in year two under Eli Drinkwich? Um, you know, South Carolina's got a new coach. Tennessee's got a new coach. Vanderbilt's got a new coach. You know, what are those new coaches going to be able to provide um, you're seeing Jimbo Fisher already, you know, what is this, May? Are Jimbo Fisher taking shots <laughs> at Alabama, you know, trying to get things moving there. So, you know, Jimbo trying to say, listen, we were on the cusp of being in the playoffs last year. You know, can we be the one team that maybe can knock off Alabama? Auburn, you know, with a new coach, you know, can Brian Harson get it done? Um, just so much, you know, Lane Kiffin's personality at Ole Miss. And then you mentioned Mike Leach at Mississippi State. So this is a league that's got a lot of 
I wouldn't say young coaches, but guys who, who have only been maybe one or two years at their jobs. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how which who's going to be the next one. At some point, Alabama, is, as, as dominant as they've been, there's going to be a team that's going to make a run at them at some point. Now, whether it's going to be A&M or Georgia or Florida, um, it's going to be interesting to see what that team's going to be. Matt, will, will Dan Mullen look back and regret not making a change at defensive coordinator with Todd Grantham? Because when you look at, back at what Florida did last year, I mean, Kyle Trask was literally putting up Joe Burrow-type numbers. That offense was electric with uh, Kyle Pitts and, and Kadarius Toney and the like. But, man, the defense was such the Achilles heel. I was really surprised, particularly coming off of how they lost in the bowl game against Oklahoma, that they didn't make a change there. Will Dan Mullen look back and regret not making a change there? Well, you know, I think Dan, you know, I think Dan obviously is being a little lower. I think he looks at the 2020 season like a lot of coaches did and, and, and see it well, you know, with the challenges of the pandemic and everything going on. But you're right. I mean, you look at what Florida did last year. I mean, you know, they were, they were ranked ninth in the SEC in total defense. You know, they hadn't scored all those points and all those yards because they just, you know, because their defense couldn't find a way to get it done. Look at the losses they had at, at A&M and LSU. You know, those were losses where they gave up lots of points and lots of yards. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, they've got some new players up front. You know, it's the, the, the up front, the, the defensive line is going to look a little different. Um, the secondary's got some, some, some question marks as well. But I think this is Dan Mullen saying, well, listen, you know, I'm, I'm close to – I'm close to Todd. I know he can do a, a good job. Uh, we've seen it in the past. Let's see if we can get this done and, 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 and try to bounce back. Listen, they had the second-best defense in the SEC in 2019. So you just have to kind of look at last year and think, well, maybe just because of the challenges we had, um, it, you know, hopefully we bounce back. So it, it's going to be interesting. But I feel if they struggle again this year, I, I don't know how long you, you continue to go with them. We've seen uh, Nick Saban – he has not lost many times at Alabama, but the times he has lost, it's been when they've struggled with a mobile quarterback. I'll go back to the days of Johnny Manziel, but you know it's been times where that quarterback, you know, issues challenges challenges to the defense because he can use his legs to get out in space. And I look at their season opener, you know, that's slated to play the Miami Hurricanes, and De'Eric King is a guy coming off of an injury, but has that mobility and has the arm. Um, how concerned, if you're an Alabama fan, should you be about this season opener against Miami? You know, I, I think what's going to be – there's a little bit of concern, but I think, you know, again, there's a little bit of, of uh, you know, you're not sure what you're going to get. I mean, De'Aaron King obviously is a very talented player, um, but, you know, suffering that, that ACL injury, you know, the, the bowl game, which is unfortunate for him because he announced he was coming back for one year. You know when he's healthy, obviously there's opportunities there. Uh, and Miami's done a good job in this offseason to add some key – elements you know some key pieces to, to surround him with um they've also done a great job of, of getting some young guys to, to back him up as well so um there could be a challenge there. i agree with you i think alabama's biggest struggles have been against mobile quarterbacks and when you look you look at, at what Derek king can do he can get out of the pocket he can use his legs and run um i i think coming into this game being the first open if miami had played two or three games before alabama I would be a little more worried if I was an Alabama fan, just because again, you, you get the, you get a chance to you know he's got a chance to get a couple games under his belt. But because this is coming right out of fall camp, it's going to be interesting to see how how King is 100. percent They all say he's done a great job in his rehabilitation. He looks 100 percent like he's going to be back at full strength. Um, so it's got to be a concern. But again, I think we talked about Nick Saban. We talked about what he's able to do in the past. Um, they just seem to find a way. They always seem to find a way when there's a challenge there. And if they can contain King, 
Um, I think they've got an opportunity to start out with a, with a win. Yeah, it's going to be so fun that first weekend of college football with Clemson and Georgia and Alabama, Miami, LSU. They're going out to the West Coast to play UCLA. It's just going to be so fun to have the college atmosphere back. And that's my last question for you, Matt. What are you looking forward to most about hopefully, at least it looks on paper, like we're going to be kind of back to some bit of normalcy for the fall. What did you miss most from last year that you're looking forward to having back this year? Well, I, I mean, uh, the two things for me were the fans, obviously. I think just having full stadiums were, you know, when you don't have a full stadium, you lose a little bit of the energy and the buzz um, when you're there because I, I, I just think, and players have told me this as well, that, you know, you lose a little bit of electricity, you know, when a big play happens. And to, for me, as and this is a little selfish being a reporter, is, you know, I miss the, the, the one-on-one interaction. I miss face-to-face conversations. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of great young men playing football right now with a lot of great stories to tell. And unfortunately, because of COVID, you know, because limited to Zooms and, and all sorts of virtual conferencing, you didn't get very much opportunity to have that kind of one-on-one, you know, interaction and, and kind of find out a lot about that. And I think the players themselves too, also, as much as they we joke about the media and everything, I think players themselves enjoy you know telling their story, you know, and, and talking with players. I know coaches do, even though they kind of give give us a hard time i know coaches like to do that a little bit as well so um i'm looking forward to those two things again getting back in person seeing football uh the way it's kind of supposed to be played uh those are the things that i miss and things that i think we're looking forward to going into this season yeah there's nothing like a good media scrum fighting for position <laughs> using your elbows to push guys out no that's uh that's what i've missed most uh, as well matt Merchell, uh orlando sentinel.com of course is where you can find his stuff uh matt this has been great man really appreciate you uh, taking the time out no problem. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. That's Matt Merchell of the Orlando Sentinel. Again, check out his stuff at uh, orlandosentinel.com and uh, also does a podcast, Gridiron365. And th- that's actually what I found just uh, about a week or so ago. He did a whole podcast talking about name, image, and likeness and what you need to know. I said, man, I got to get Matt on because he he um, he can explain it a little bit. You know, this is way more intricate than I think a lot of people are acknowledging when they just say, "Oh, it's just you know paying a player for you know their name." And, and no, it's very it gets very sticky with a lot of the you know specifics here. And there's no guidelines set. That's the problem. Is the NCA somebody needs to step up and say this is how this is going to operate across the board for all athletes and all sports at all schools. Man, it's going to get messy. It's going to get messy. That's going to do it for me, Chris Gordy. Appreciate you guys for listening. Appreciate our guest, Matt Merchell, taking the time out from the Orlando Sentinel. We'll be back tomorrow for our all-new episode of Locked on SEC. Lock, uh, Locked on SEC, wherever you get your podcasts. And a, a quick reminder, you can get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked on Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts, Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris Gordy. You guys have a great day. Talk to you guys tomorrow.